All right, news roundup information overload hour, 800-941-SEAN, if you want to be a part of the program. Uh, now, we've confirmed this with former President Trump. We confirmed it with Mark Meadows, who's going to join us in a minute. We've confirmed this with Cash Patel, uh, who was in the Oval Office on January the 4th, two days before January 6th, that, in fact, uh, confirms that Donald Trump authorized the use of up to 20,000 National Guards men and women to be utilized in the lead-up to January the 6th. Now, why would the president want want troops available? Well, we just came off a summer of 574 riots where we had dozens of dead people, thousands of injured cops, billions in property damage, you know, thanks to looting and arson. Uh, well, we also knew post-election tensions were high. We knew that the D.C. was going to have, you know, hundreds and hundreds of thousands of people. You, We know that they were going to march to the White House. The president even said in his speech that day, many of you will peacefully and patriotically march to the Capitol so your voices will be heard. But the way the process works is that once the president authorizes, as he rightly did, the use and the calling up of the National Guard, well, Nancy Pelosi she has to sign off on it. She refused. And then Muriel Bowser, the D.C. mayor, because she has jurisdiction, she has to sign off on it. She, in writing, refused. Um, now, what's fascinating is we, we have all these people confirming that Donald Trump did this. Now the question is, why did the chairman, Benny Thompson, say it's not fair to question Pelosi? Now, the vice chair of this January 6th committee is Liz Cheney. She said, no, no, Pelosi's office is not off limits. This is what she said. Let me play that first. Speaker Pelosi has said that uh, that the House Sergeant of Arms uh, requested the National Guard, passed a note. There are open questions about the Speaker's uh, involvement and interactions with the Sergeant of Arms during that time. And yet Chairman Thompson has announced on your committee that the Speaker's office is off limits and that there's no call for those documents for the House Sergeant of Arms. Why, why is that if, if it's designed to prevent something like, that, like this from not happening again? Well, uh, look, the, the committee itself is very focused on on that issue. You know, we have an entire leg entire investigative team focused on the security failures of that day, focused on the response of that day. Um, we've got investigators who are looking at exactly the kinds of things that you've mentioned. So so that that is a really important set of issues. No office is off limits. Uh, no issue is off limits. We certainly need to get to the bottom of that. All right. No office is off limits. That's not what Chairman Benning Thompson said. Listen, as you know, uh, the speaker, she made a major decision. Uh, are Speaker Pelosi's decisions on and ahead of January 6th? Do you believe that would also be fair game for Republicans uh, uh, if they join this committee to investigate? Well, no, I, I don't, Wolf. No, I don't. Okay, well, the president signed off on the troops. Uh, it's confirmed by the president in interviews with me. It's confirmed by Cash Patel. Now, by the way, Cash Patel was in the Oval Office. The Secretary of Defense was in there. The chairman of the Joint Chiefs was in there. I believe Mark Meadows, who joins us now, was in there. And by the way, Mark's new book is out. If you haven't gotten a copy of it, it's on Amazon.com and in bookstores everywhere. It's a phenomenal book. Gives you an insider's look into what the Trump presidency was really like. It's called The Chief's Chief. Uh, well, sir, welcome back to the program. Uh, Sean, great to be with you, and, and you're exactly right. Not only was Cash Patel 
and Chris Miller, the acting Secretary of Defense in the Oval Office, when the president uh, made that request. But so was I. And I and I can tell you that there needs to be questions answered uh, as it relates to Speaker Pelosi, as it relates to uh, Mayor Muriel Bowser. Uh, why why are they not being questioned? Uh, what what's happening is there's this these fact checkers that would act like that that didn't actually happen and i can tell you uh, not only did it happen once but it happened multiple times as you uh, have already uh, outlined to your listeners but the key component of this is why if we're talking about the security of capitol hill why would speaker pelosi uh, and her testimony be off limits it should be the very first part well, it's it's not even off limits um, but even the communications of her that day, the communication of the sergeant in arms that day, the committee has is not even requesting that information. Now, you gave over 9,000 documents I read. Is that true? That is true. We gave, you know, uh, we honored the president's privilege claim. But if we had communication that was uh, not uh, privileged and would not violate uh, the claim that President Trump has made, uh, we as a good citizen tried to provide those. But here's the interesting. It's not about getting to the facts, Sean. This is all about a political narrative. And you and I both know that when it, uh, when it comes to securing the Capitol, uh, that Nancy Pelosi, uh, still has yet to call, uh, anybody that I know of, uh, from, uh, in the West Wing, uh, about January 6th. Uh, she certainly didn't call on that uh, given day and if it was such an urgent plea uh, you would have thought that she would have gotten on the on the phone uh, her staff had my cell number it was not like it was hard to get but even with that uh, we show that she had no outreach and yet uh, this committee wants to look the other way they want to place the blame at president trump's feet and i can tell you no one in the west wing to my knowledge, had any advanced knowledge that there was going to be a breach of security on January 6th. Now, there's, now there's a reason, and I think we've now figured it out, why Jim Jordan and Congressman Jim Banks were kicked off the committee by Nancy Pelosi. Is that true? Well, that is true. They were kicked off because uh, they had not made up their mind. And yet what we see is everybody that's on the committee has voted to impeach uh, the president of the United States. And so when, when you look at that, it's, it's not an impartial fact finding, uh, group of, of people. It's actually a group of people set out to, uh, promote a political narrative. And in the, the bottom line of this, Sean, is, is that this will do nothing to make the Capitol more secure. All it is is about advancing a political notion. I believe it's about 2022 and, more importantly, to some of the Democrats, 2024. Here's a prediction. Their report comes out in October just before the midterm, so I'm just guessing. Um, you know, so the, the big question is, why would they allow this special privilege to Pelosi, considering the important role she played in protecting the Capitol? She had to sign off on the president's order. The president ordered and okayed 20,000 troops. Muriel Bowser, in writing, even said, no, I'm, I'm not approving this. Um, there were multiple attempts by the Capitol Police chief, six that I know of that have been reported uh, even before you know, January 6th happened, 
uh, requesting National Guard troops. The only thing I can come up with is, uh, you know, I want to make sure this never happens again. If if we had the 20,000 troops there, I'm pretty confident, Mark Meadows, they would have stopped any breach of the Capitol and they would have stopped it expeditiously. Don't you agree? Well, not only would they have stopped it, yes, I do agree, they would have stopped it, but the, their very presence would have been a calming kind of uh, uh, thing. And, and really, that's where President Trump, I believe, was coming from. Uh, it was, uh, you were going to have a large crowd there. We had had large crowds before. There had been counter-protesters. And all he wanted to do is make sure that so many people that were coming to D.C. could peacefully and patriotically, as you said, let their voice be heard. Well, now, we also wait. How many how many Secret Service agents got hurt the night that they tried to breach the White House and the, and the president had to be brought down to the, the White House bunker? Well, listen, we as you had mentioned throughout the summer of 2020 uh, in D- Washington, D.C. and in state uh, cities across the country. Uh, there was all kinds of, of uh, protests that many of them turned very violent. We saw that in Washington, D.C. And, and here's the interesting thing. is, By the way, I'll Washington- give you the numbers. 574 official riots, dozens of dead Americans, thousands of injured cops, many, many severely, and billions in property damage from arson and looting. So where's that committee, uh, Congressman? Well, there's not going to be that committee. There should be that committee. There should be a committee that looks into making sure that that those that are, are waiting their due process uh, and have been uh, really uh, arrested or uh, charged with crimes, that their due processes, whether it's in prison or not, uh, are protected. We need to make sure that we're a nation of laws, and that's consistent whether it's January 6th or whether it was July 6th. And, and, uh, and what we're seeing is, is really a push to push this narrative that is out there. And here's the other thing, Sean, that we have to focus on. Uh, when we start to look at the response from the, the, uh, National Guard, everybody said, well, there was a delay in the National Guard. I can tell you they wouldn't have responded as quickly as they did had President Trump not put them on alert. It takes hours and hours and hours to get the National Guard to come up. And had they not been put on alert two days prior, uh, they wouldn't have shown up when they did show up, even though the request was delayed. And to my knowledge, the request, uh, you know, came from Muriel Bowser, you know, uh, sometime that afternoon. And and obviously, so, I, uh, so, so my analysis is this is a sham committee with a predetermined outcome. Ironically, you know, Democrats are saying, well, all this election rhetoric of the president caused this. Um, have they forgotten Hillary Clinton's dirty dossier and the lies about the Trump-Russia collusion conspiracy theory hoax? Uh, on this committee, you have the single biggest perver- uh, purveyor of election lies ever. That would be the congenital liar, Adam Schiff. So you would yeah, think I, if, I, if they don't want this to happen again, they sh- you have to ask, why did they not sign off on the president's request for troops? Well, you, you have to ask that. You have to also understand that Adam Schiff, who's part of this committee, went on every Sunday show from 2016 
and until probably this last Sunday, still saying, oh, there was collusion, there was Russia collusion. You talk about every lie. When he knew better, when he knew that, in, in fact, that it was Hillary Clinton's uh, operation that helped fund uh, the, the dossier that was built on fake news. And so when, when we see this, uh, they've already got that report ready to go. If you look at Adam Kinzinger made a, made a statement over the weekend that says they've got much of their narrative already uh, outlined. Well, uh, you don't a narrative you don't need. You need facts that actually produce a report. But that's what they're looking for is a narrative that would suggest that the problem was at the West Wing instead of on Capitol Hill. And they won't even investigate it. I don't know if you saw the Federalist uh, has a piece out on Andrew McCabe uh, he one calls it puts conservatives in the same category as Islamic terrorists. The headline is disgraced FBI number two. Andrew McCabe calls for feds to treat mainstream conservatives like domestic terrorists. And then he wants more surveillance of mainstream conservatives. Um, I'm like, oh, you just want to empower the FBI to spy on anybody that you politically disagree with? Because I don't know a mainstream conservative that supports violence, Mark Meadows, and I don't think you do either. And if they did, I want nothing to do with them. I don't want anything to do with them. You need to con- condemn that violence wherever it happens. But listen, and An- Andrew McCabe is, you know, he he's now a contributor for one of the left-leaning cable news networks. He's playing to that crowd. Uh, but it does speak to a larger thing. They think that conservatives uh, are, are dangerous to our democracy. And the truth of the matter is it's conservatives that fight for freedom and the Constitution each and every day. And those conservatives will continue to do that on Capitol Hill, regardless of the consequence. So how's the Chiefs Chiefs doing? Um, What I liked about it, it was the first book ever written that was written from a standpoint that it it wasn't written by a Trump hater, but somebody that actually lived through what was one of the most remarkable presidencies in our lifetime by any measure. Well, it was a historic presidency by any measure. You know that. I try to give a first uh, bird's eye view from behind the scenes. You know, it's doing well thanks to so many of the listeners that tune in to you and, and a few other conservative uh, uh, really leaders in, in our country. Uh, and, and, you know, does the left like it? Absolutely not, because it talks about the wonderful things that President Trump was able to accomplish in historic ways and, uh, and, and allows you to see a little bit about the way that President Trump actually makes decisions regardless of the political consequences. Well, the book is called The Chief's Chief. Uh, we have it on Hannity.com. It's on Amazon.com. It's in bookstores everywhere. Uh, if you want to get an unbiased view, an up-close and personal view of what life was like in the Trump White House, uh, Mark Meadows, I, I, won't, I won't insult you and call you a congressman again. That was a mistake because you, thank God, got out of that awful profession. Um, but thank you for, you know, this is important. We can't have violence in this country. And the way to the way that we could have stopped it um, was to send in the National Guard as the president in the summer of 2020 called them up often and then was rejected time and time again. Why? I don't know. Uh, anyway, the well, chief, chief. I don't know either, but we we had a great president and President Trump. And thank you for being a voice of truth and continuing to remind the people that that we uh, are in a great country that loves freedom. Amen. 
Uh, Mark Meadows, thank you for being with us. 800-941-SEAN. Quick break, right back. All right, 25 now until the top of the hour. We'll get to your calls here. 800-941-SEAN. Our unifier in chief is now picking fights with everybody. Listen. They want to talk down the recovery because they voted against the legislation that made it happen. I refuse to let them stand in the way of this recovery. And now my focus is on keeping this recovery strong and durable, notwithstanding Republican obstructionism. He's such a liar. Number one, he's no unifier. Number two, uh, he caused the inflation. You know, he's causing the supply chain issues. He caused the price of gasoline and, and heating oil and, and, and everything in between to cost more because of his policies. That's, that's on him. But now he's just, uh, I'm going to get mad and yell at Republicans because I'm not getting what I want. Well, that's what happens. Uh, but he did say he was going to be a unifier. He did promise us that. That's democracy. That's America. The right to dissent peaceably. Within the guardrails of our republic is perhaps this nation's greatest strength. Yet hear me clearly. This agreement must not lead to disunion. And I pledge this to you. I will be a president for all Americans. All Americans. And I promise you, I will fight as hard for those who did not support me as for those who did. Not sure he's fighting for me. Uh, 800-941-SEAN is on number. You want to be a part of the uh, program. Steve is in New Jersey. What's up, Steve? How are you? Glad you called. Hey, how you doing, Sean? Hey, I'm a huge fan. It's an honor and privilege. Happy New Year. Hey, uh, Sean, uh, January 6th, I uh, came home and had dinner and then I had the David Muir show on Channel 7. Had three police officers. Hey, I condemned the violence at, at, at whatever took place. But and, and then you had Kamala come on. I just don't understand how somebody who gets 4% of the Democratic vote is the second leader in this world, as well as Joe Biden. Um, but wh- where do you think they're going to go? When is this ever going to stop? I mean, you know, and I watch your show every night i'm an avid fan i mean i watch your show more than i watch athletics but my question would be is um what you said on the 20th why aren't they uh in august on your show you always talk they talk about pearl harbor they talk about uh civil war isn't that whatever took place in the summer of 2020 isn't that worse than anything why aren't these people being held accountable for that i just understand it it's it's an obvious answer isn't it because they can't politicize that because that was their base responsible for that. And they didn't want to criticize their base in the lead up to the election. You know, if, if this committee wasn't a sham committee, they would be very interested if they really cared. And, and I really do care. I love this country. Right. I believe in the rule of law. I love our Constitution. And I believe in protecting our institutions and elected officials, those I agree with and those that I disagree with. We need law and order and safety and security. I'm a law and order guy. Um, but when you put on the committee the biggest purveyor of election lies in history, Adam, the congenital liar, Schiff, um, when you ignore Trump's words to march peacefully and patriotically so your voices will be heard, if you ignore the, the 20,000 National Guard troops that that Donald Trump signed off on two days before the 6th. Now, why did Donald Trump do that? Was he was he organizing trouble that he wanted to protect against the trouble he organized? No. Coming off the riots in the summer of 2020, the attacks nearly nightly, you know, against federal buildings, knowing that tensions were high, knowing that whenever you have big crowds, there are bad actors usually in those crowds. Um, it was just 
the right thing to do. You protect our institutions. Now the question is, he 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 signed the order. He called them up. But it, the, the way the process works is the mayor and the Speaker of the House need to sign off on it. Neither well, of them be- did. And then and now the committee won't even won't even get the emails, text messages, communications between Pelosi, the sergeant at arms that day. Pelosi is off limits. The chairman of this sham committee has now said. So the reality is they don't they don't want the answer, because if you really want to prevent it, you should have called up the guard troops. And I'll tell you right now, one thing I would do is I would build a a wall fence, whatever you want to call it. Um, around the Capitol to protect the institution and, and protect our elected officials. That's what I would do. What, why is she being held accountable? Because she's off limits. I, I mean, it's just it's, that's what it's, the chairman I mean, I, said. She is off limits. Well, when when so if you, there's a red wave, you think she's definitely got to be out. I mean, you know, they they talk about all these uh, stuff. I mean, I mean, look, like you said, gas, food, beef. I mean, what is it going to? I'm in education. I've been in education for thirty years. I'm a high school administrator in New Jersey. Let me let me, I, let me play been, the let me play when Brett Bear was asking Liz Cheney about this very issue. Listen, Speaker Pelosi has said that uh, that the House Sergeant of Arms uh, requested the National Guard passed a note. There are open questions about the speaker's uh, involvement and interactions with the sergeant of arms during that time and yet chairman thompson has announced on your committee that the speaker's office is off limits and that there's no call for those documents for the house sergeant of arms why why is that if if it's designed to prevent something like that like this from not happening again well uh look the the committee itself is very focused on on that issue you know we have an entire leg- entire investigative team focused on the security failures that day, focused on the response of that day. Um, we've got investigators who are looking at exactly the kinds of things that you mentioned. So so that that is a really important set of issues. No office is off limits. Uh, no issue is off limits. We Stop certainly right need there. to get to the bottom of that. Now let's go to Benny Thompson, who says that Nancy Pelosi is off limits. It's not fair to question her. As you know, uh, the speaker, she made a major decision. Uh, are Speaker Pelosi's decisions on and ahead of January 6th, do you believe that would also be fair game for Republicans uh, uh, if they join this committee to investigate? Well, no, I, I don't, Wolf. No, I don't. Does that answer your question? She gets special yeah, treatment. Yeah. yeah, but that's why I agree with you. Every night, Mitch McConnell's got to go. Why isn't he speaking up on a Republican side, whatever? It's just a joke, uh, what's going on. But, hey, Sean, you keep preaching a message. you got to bring a Nerf football back at the end of your show. I <laughs> I, you know, a lot of people are asking for it. I, I need to do that. Uh, thank <laughs> you, Steve. Uh, let's say hi to Michael is in Texas. Uh, Michael, how are you? Glad you called, sir. Hey, Sean, doing great. Uh, blue skies, long time, long time listener from like 93 and first. Well, thank you, sir. (laughs) Anyway, I want to cut to the chase. Uh, I was listening uh, Friday about the uh, Biden wish list of having a national mandate on the vaccine, uh, the, uh, you know, requiring vaccination. And I I was just uh, mentioning uh, that Americans do not do well with force mandates, especially from the federal government. Uh, Basically, I look back to this. America, it's in our DNA, freedom and liberty. We're not we're not uh, some communist country. We're not. We, you know, we we're used. Uh, we fought very hard back, you know, in the Revolutionary War, and you know, throughout history, uh, even the Civil Rights Movement. Um, you know, peaceful protests. 
And, and I think this is like one of those moments I'd call it the Biden Fonzie happy days jump the shark moment. He's, he's, he's going in here, uh, on a, on a midterm election season with something very unpopular that about 40% of the population that haven't got vaccinated, they're not going to get vaccinated and they have a good reason. They're not idiots. They're not flat earthers. They have good reasons not to get vaccinated. And we, we frankly don't trust Fauci. I mean, we're paying attention. Um, and so basically that, I mean, it's, it's going to be an uphill battle. And, uh, I think the political cost, uh, with the candidates running, it's going to give them fuel and something to run on. So I have very optimistic. I don't see this as some big threat. I know a lot of the blue states, uh, you know, like New York, for example, or it really kind of, uh, turn the screws on people, making sure, you know, like, okay, you can't do this, you can't do this. I'm going to tell you it's a different story here in Texas, and, and it's going to be a different story in a lot of places. So um, that's my comment. So, you know, Look, the American people are smart. These, the, the problem we have now with COVID, and I, I mentioned earlier they have a new variant that's been discovered, but not all variants come to prominence. Um, two examples would be the MU variant, the Mu variant, as they called it, or the Lambda variant or the R.1 variant. And and yet Delta did and Omicron did. So we don't know. But the new one they found in Europe is Delta Crom. And there's another one out of where was that? Cameroon, I believe, first detected in in France, traced back to Cameroon. The, that variant is we're keeping our eyes on it. You know, and at, at this point, you know, into the third year, I, I cannot believe how incompetent the Biden administration has been by not not having enough tests available, not having enough monoclonal antibodies available. We've had those for 18 months. The tests we've had for almost two years now. There's no reason for any shortage. You can operation warp speed all of it. We have these new FDA approved uh, viral antiviral medicines they're not being mass produced you know if we warp speed all of this you know we'd have the ability to treat people i was writing you know dr farid last night because a, a good friend of mine who had nearly died from COVID uh the first time got it again and so uh, he was literally hours away from being intubated linda you know who i'm talking about and yeah. You know, it's uh, it's scary. And I said to him, no, 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 we're not waiting this time. You told me late the last time and we you, barely they were able to save your life. Um, they were about to bring him in to be, get a ventilator and he had been taking a medicine, a therapeutic. I'm not going to get into details of his personal medical history. And he said, you know what? Wait, I'm feeling better. I'm not ready for this. And it turned out he turned the corner, but just barely. And it was only because, I will tell you, he had a very brave, courageous doctor that believed in the right to choose. And um, there are people that I know in the medical community that advocated for him, even though it wasn't that hospital's protocol, for him to have experimental treatment. And, uh, you know, all those doctors in that case were heroes. Uh, anyway, Michael, that's where I think we ought to be, my friend. Um, let's stay in Texas. Bob is next. Bob, how are you? Uh, good afternoon, Sean. How are you? I'm good, sir. What's going on? Well, uh, my wife, Robin, and I became very sick with COVID two weeks ago, and we live out in the country. We're both retired, and um, you are the gentleman where I heard about the monoclonal antibody infusion. So we researched it, 
and we hadn't been tested yet, and we went in and uh, were tested, and we were positive. And on the way home, uh, we live here in Central Texas, and um, my wife saw a sign where they had the uh, uh, infusion uh, center for Milam County uh, here in Central Texas. So we went immediately, and there were only uh, five uh, doses left in the entire state, and we were able to receive two of those. We were very, very sick. We had uh, 103.6 fever, 103.9 for my wife, and we were extremely ill uh, with just aggressive coughing. And so we received... How how many days after you were infected did you go into that hospital? It was seven days. Let me tell you, seven day seven is when it goes to your lungs, and that's when, if you come up with this covid storm as they call it or covid pneumonia as they refer to it or covid lung as they refer to it um that's when you run the risk of getting to the point that they have to put you on a ventilator your odds are not great when you get put on a ventilator well we were there but i can tell you this that that monoclonal antibody infusion turned the corner for us it was a godsend and i heard it from you and i can't tell you how thankful we are and that that needs to be available for everybody. Everybody. And, and we've I'm we've had them for 18 everybody. months. You know, know, nobody ran, no state ran out of monoclonals until Joe Biden discovered they existed a couple of months ago. Well, listen, that's why we're here. You know, the last words before Christmas, I told everybody, I said, remember these words, because I knew Omicron was spreading like crazy. And we didn't know how lethal it was when I went on vacation. Monoclonal antibodies. Ask your doctor. And I can tell you, I know story after story. Now, one last thing, it's always better early than late. I don't even think you're qualified for it after day 10. Um, Anyway, God bless you, Bob. I'm glad that worked out for you. I really am. Uh, And your wife. Thank God you're okay. That's going to wrap things up for today. Great show. Peter Ducey, what a question he had for Jen Psaki. He'll join us uh, tonight, 9 Eastern, Hannity on Fox. Also, Ron Johnson, Leo 2.0 Terrell. Eric Trump is on tonight. Greg Jarrett is on tonight. Kaylee McEnany as well. Uh, But uh, that's all happening 9 Eastern. Please set your DVR so you never miss an episode. We'll have the very latest news you'll never get from the media mob. We'll see you tonight at 9, back here tomorrow. Thank you for making this show possible.